A book made of burlap, accordion, flag, concertina. A book bound such that its pages won't open. Fan, slap, flip, pop-up. A book set into concrete, French door, wallpaper, cloth. A book deliberately weathered. I'm Sarah Baum, and I'm the author of a couple of novels, several short stories, and an assortment of essays, as well as a shelf load of lavish sketchbooks which almost no one has ever seen. I went to art college and spent three years in the sculpture department, the loud, dusty, drafty bowels of the building, between a ceramics workshop and a welding workshop. And yet, during those years, I spent very little time actually working in clay or steel or timber. Instead, I spent hours entombed between the covers of my sketchbook, making and writing and drawing up and analysing a range of plans. Then, I would finally present for assessment an elaborately detailed sketchbook, an exquisite plan, alongside a rather hastily, carelessly finished sculpture. Eventually, one of the tutors gently suggested that I might consider making an artist's book. But what's the difference between writing a book and making a book, between an author's book and an artist's book? I meet David Crowley, head of the School of Visual Culture at the National College of Art and Design in Dublin. Well, there's obviously been books made by artists for a long time, and we could think about the history of the illustrated book, and that would take us right back to Gutenberg. But I think the best way to think about the artist's book is to imagine, perhaps in the late 19th century, artists come to, to realise that a book is a whole set of resources which can be reconfigured, played around with. It suddenly becomes possible to imagine a book in... 10, 20, 30 different ways. And that might be really the best way to think about an artist's book as being any of those things. We asked you to bring an example. I'm really interested in this one because I'm really interested in the books that are transformed in some way. Artists who've taken books and then um, (laughs) taken them apart. So your example is a Bible. Yes, I brought in an example of of a book that's made by two artists called Adam Bromberg and Oliver Channerin. They're London-based artists. And they've decided to kind of work on the theme of the Holy Bible. So in my hand, I have what looks like an absolutely classic 19th century Bible. It's a black object. It's got gold on the edges of the paper. When you open it inside, there's these lovely red end papers. And then it turns into the very standard, very thin paper that we associate with the Bible. And all of the words of the Bible are there, but cut in all the way through are these amazing images from the 20th century. So these are not biblical images. These are images of cameras, of bombs, of maybe racial injustice, of of violence. These are images of the 20th century as as we might imagine it in a book that clearly is the Bible. And somehow there's a commentary being made here about... Our, our attention to catastrophe, to disaster, to trauma, which is set in our culture in the Bible, but here it is in the 20th century. It's an amazing book. What about the students here at NCAD? Are many of them making books? If you were to come to the degree show at the end of the year, you'd walk around, you could go to every area, and you'd find the students that are making books. And the interesting thing is that we're often told that the book is dead, that it's about to disappear and we're going to consume everything through our screens. But with a young generation of artists and designers, they're still really committed to that portable object that you can carry, that you can make notes in, that you can modify. So they make books, but you will find that lots of artists are very interested in the democratic, the ordinary form of the book. And suddenly there's a new set of tools available for them to make new kinds of artist books. 
So if you want to do a, a book tomorrow that's maybe just in a small edition, you can send it on the internet to a specialist printer and a few days later you'll get your own unique book or maybe two or three copies. So this is print on demand. And this has opened up a completely new space for artists and designers to reimagine what a book might be. So it's a kind of democratic moment in the history of the artist's book. William Blake was almost certainly the first artist to experiment with the book's traditional form. In 1794, he published his Songs of Innocence and of Experience. He was a poet, a painter, a professional engraver, a visionary. While Songs of Innocence and of Experience is better known for some of his best-loved poems, The Tiger, London and Auguries of Innocence, the collection was originally produced painstakingly as an illuminated book, engraved and printed by the artist in limited edition. Each poem was in Blake's own handwriting. Each page was densely decorated with his distinctive, dark and strange and gorgeously creepy illustrations. here in NCD in the Distillers Press to meet Jamie Murphy, who's a typographic designer, educator and letterpress printer. And once you come in the door, there's this magnificent smell of ink and there's all of these sort of strange machines that um, looks to me like a very sophisticated version of my dad's shed. Tiny, colourful letters and uh, handles and lots of wooden drawers. Tell me what we're standing over at the moment, Jamie. Um, this is a 1960s proofing press made by a UK firm called Adwest and it's the workhorse of the press. Uh, here we can print pages up to 20 by 30 inches, and so from a graphic point of view, we can print quite large, but from a point of view of making books, it means that we can print two and four and eight pages at a time, and so it's quite a useful piece of equipment to have. And for a typographer and a designer, this is heaven, because you get to be physical with type. There's a tangible quality to being able to move and work with type by hand and to impress it into paper and to fold and make. So you're, you're making physical things as opposed to what design has become now in most circles, which is a screen-based occupation. And your press, the Salvage Press, tell us a little bit about what you do because it's pretty special. So the Salvage Press is my after-hours imprint. Um, I work primarily with poetry and prose of an Irish interest, I tend to try and collaborate as broadly as I can with Irish artists, writers, poets, craftspeople like binders, paper makers. I produce between one and two books a year, mostly. We're looking at Jamie's current title at the moment, and it's in a red perspex, hard plastic case. And then when you slip it out, it has a marbled cover. Um, it's called Nine Silences a collaboration between the poet Dirin Nigrifa and the artist Alice Maher, in which the poet sort of responds to the work of the artist. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's about female silence and domesticity. And the whole project came about after Alice stumbled on a stone carving in the vestry of, a, of Kilcooley Abbey in County Tipperary, which is many miles away from the sea. And the carving was of a mermaid, in shackles with a mirror denoting vanity and all of that kind of iconographic association. 
And from that find, Alice developed um, a new body of work, which she has titled Vox Materia. And as a reaction to that body of work, during the Griefer, and I and Alice have made this book. There are Alice Maher's prints, original prints in it. So Alice Maher supplied me with a woodcut that we were able to produce here and from that print we were able to defragment it and as it's an image of a female form it suited the themes in the book quite well because the themes relate to the female and the feminine and the idea of fragmenting the woodcut was very in keeping with the trajectory of the book. And the print only sort of appears in pieces, so you're just getting fragments as you go through the book. The original woodcut itself is quite obviously of a female form, but once it's been fragmented and printed in parts, it becomes a lot more abstract, and you're looking at a lot of texture and outline. It's really noise across the pages. So thanks to Jamie for talking to us, and you can find out more about Jamie's work at thesalvagepress.com. And Nine Silences is his current title, and it was launched just this month. What would you picture if I posed the term literature sausage? Between 1961 and 1970, the Swiss artist Dieter Roth created about 50 so-called literature sausages. Roth was the first to really style himself as a book artist, to make the book the focus of his practice. In the 1960s, he was associated with the artists of the Fluxus movement. These artists hated the system of galleries and institutions. They wanted to make art ephemeral and dispensable, to put it back on the streets and dispel its preciousness. For his series of literature sausages, instead of ground meat, he shredded books and publications with great variation in literary quality, from tabloid newspapers to Marx and Hegel. Then they were presented, suspended in their sausage casings, utterly unreadable. Nival, the National Irish Visual Arts Library, is housed at NCAD. It's an unparalleled collection of documentary material relating to Irish art. It includes catalogues, videos, slides, artist papers and ephemera in print and digital format. Naturally enough, it also includes artists' books. We're here in the file store in Nival in NCAD with Katie Blackwood, who's the library assistant. We're here looking at high stacks of cardboard boxes on top of filing cabinets and filing cabinets. I see a box that says the drawing box and a box that says book-like books, um, but generally they're all labelled artist books. So I'm kind of guessing that we've found what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, so these are our collection of artist books. We have almost a thousand artist books. Are these one-off? Some would be unique books. They be, might be handmade, it might be one of a kind, and then others will be small editions, maybe 50 copies, maybe 100 copies, something like that. So what's your definition of an artist book and what separates it from everything else that we're looking at in the filing cabinets? Um, it's kind of one of those questions that there isn't a definite answer to, but I suppose what they say about artist books is that they, it's, it's a work of art in itself, but it's in the form of a book. Um, so it, use, it might use the form of the book. We're looking at 
every every book that an Irish artist has produced at yeah. some point in their career, pretty um, much. Well, we yeah, we try and keep everything as much as possible. You might have small books, um, you might have catalogues, you might have things like, um, there's a photograph there, you'd have images, there'd be invitations, there'd be press cuttings, um, price lists, CVs, artist statements. We collect ephemera, so we collect the things that most people would throw away. With Irish artists, the amount of published information in book form is actually quite small compared to the amount of people that are actually out there making art. Like all these artist files have so much information, the vast majority of these artists would never have a book published about them. So if this information is not available anywhere else, if you want to find out about some obscure artist or even a well-known Irish artist, this is this is the place to really to come and find out about it. Wow, so you're like the Google for artists that can't be Googled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to take down one of these boxes and see what's inside and take it into the reading room. We're looking at uh, uh, an assortment of artist books on the table here in the reading room. Katie has chosen a few examples to show us, maybe a more classic example of an artist book from the collection. One of the ones I picked was um, this book, it's Night Prayer by Mary Plunkett. Um, She was a student here. It's a lovely old heartbound book, cloth band, and it's just come out of a slip. And it's got a lovely gold symbol and ribbons coming out of the end of it. (laughs) So it looks like a book and you can open it up and see that... It's, it's all been letter-pressed, so... Every individual letter has been slotted in and... Yeah, yeah, picked out and lined up and gone through the press. So there's a lot of text in it, and then there's these, like you say, these beautiful gold circular illustrations, and then you come to beautiful sort of botanical, like, fruit and flowers, and I think that might be a lino print. And the pages are folding in and folding out, and... It's a prayer book, so I think it's like religious hymns and prayers and... A lot of artists' books, the sense I'm getting, are concept-driven much more so than uh, narrative-driven. I think that would be true to say. I suppose the thing about an artist's book is, like, you can have an idea and you can have a series of... You might have a series of pages where that idea is maybe explored in lots of different ways, but I suppose, like a lot of art, it's, it's not necessarily obvious or you know it it might take a bit of interpretation or you might bring your own experience to it Mm -hmm. um something like that so from from quite a classic looking book do we have anything that is even less book-like can we get less (laughs) book-like uh yeah no i have a book here by a well-known artist book publisher called caracal press Mm -hmm. it's called water of recess and it's just a little cardboard box on the outside and it says water of recess River Recess, Connemara, Ireland, April 1993. And then you open it up and inside there's a tiny, tiny little booklet, but also a little glass jar containing water. It's written on the glass as well. Water Recess, River Recess, Connemara, Ireland, April 1993. This is water from a river. I automatically thought it was holy water. I was like, that has to be holy water. (laughs) So you can see their tiny little booklet in here. It's just, you know, it's really simply made. It's just a middle page with text on it, which is sort of a description of what they were doing when they found this water. And then there's another little page with a map of exactly where they collected the water. 
That's pretty exquisite. Certainly not what you'd be expecting coming into a library. The nice thing about this book is it's just like a small little moment, one little thing that just happened. And I think they just wanted to record it. And you can see little bits of sort of, I don't know, leaves or yeah, yeah, little bits kind of, of silt knocking around in there. Something floating around in the water. A book which comes in an envelope, in loose fragments which must be reassembled by the reader into a narrative. A book in the shape of a vortex. A book carved up so that each line can be peeled back independently. A book as tall as a person. A book with its sentences sliced up and woven, collaged with shelves and objects. A lamp, a typewriter. Artist books have been on my radar recently because, earlier this year, I made a contribution to one, which might be better described as an artist anthology. Gorse is a journal of poetry and prose, set up by Susan Tomaselli in 2014. Normally, it's a handsome book, beautifully produced, but for their 10th edition, they've moved away from the book form. The editor of Gorse 10 is Christo Doulos Macris, and he showed me the journal. Here we are, opening Gorse 10. Course 10 comes in a box, and it is a collection of 13 different contributions presented in a mix of media. We have postcards, a sticker sheet, pamphlets, business cards, and various other media. Oh, wonderful. I'm just looking at some of those coasters. There's a flip book, calling cards, um, things that fold out, practically every form that the book could take has actually been been <laughs> shrunken and included in, in this box. It's every artist's book you can imagine all in one. <laughs> what was the origins of, uh, of the idea for this? For this issue, we wanted to explore the idea of the ready-made in literature 100 or more or less 100 years after Marcel Duchamp's artwork, The Fountain, which was the, the start of conceptual art. The artwork was a urinal. Duchamp claimed that just by the gesture of selecting an item and presenting it as an artwork and presenting it in a gallery context, it changes from being a urinal to an artwork. And then how does this relate to the form that Gorse 10 has taken? I commissioned 13 different writers and artists from across North America and Europe to come up with their own response to the ready-made literature in, in whichever format they wanted to present it in. For, for my own contribution, I made little objects that reference Duchamp's original artworks um, and then took photographs of them and then Christodoulos bound them into sort of an accordion of postcards. Obviously, everything that you um, received was in a digital format and you made it three-dimensional. Most of the material was like that, yeah. I received it in, in a digital format and produced it in a print, kind of very physical, uh, very tactile format. I'm very interested in my own work as well and as, as, as somebody who works editorially and curatorially with others in, in, in our moment where we're at the threshold between the physical analog production of reading literary material and the digital. Um, and there's always this correspondence and it hasn't been resolved. I don't think it will be resolved anytime soon, but it's a very interesting in-between point 
I think the two coexist, can coexist, and have slightly different functions. So that's one of the aspects I wanted to explore with this. Thanks again to Christodoulos Macris, and you can find out more about the journal at gorse.ie. Temple Bar Gallery and Studios is in Dublin city centre. The gallery is preparing for the Dublin Art Book Fair. It's now in its eighth year, and it's the only art book fair in Ireland. As well as books and publications on art and design, limited edition and rare artists and architects books will also be sold. I'm Cleana Shaffrey, the director of Temple Bar Gallery and Studios. We're always surprised every year we do the fair. There's such a big interest in it. We get over like 3,000 people coming in the doors. There's amazing artists in Ireland and amazing artists in Temple Bar Gallery and Studios. And the book fair, I suppose, is an opportunity for the artists to put their books that they are making into this curated programme. There is a lot of really beautiful books at very uh, reasonable prices and books you are not going to find anywhere else. It's a really interesting other form of working. A book which chronicles the shadows passing across a brick wall. A book made of handmade paper impregnated with traces of the bookmaker's body, hair follicles, skin cells, sweat and snot. A book with no text and no images, only string and paper cut through with small holes, which makes a whispering sound as the pages turn. The far end of the studio is where all the stock of paper is, where there's the red, green and blue paper that's taken out and folded into all those different signatures. I'm Alan Phelan and I'm an artist in Temple Bar Gallery and Studios. My book is called RGB Diary and it's essentially a diary but it's made of red, green and blue paper and it's part of a project that I'm doing um, about the Jolie photo screen which is based on RGB stripes so it's a, a kind of a book version, diary version of the photographic process. Okay, well, we're upstairs here in um, Alan Phelan's studio in Temple Bar. What, what exactly is the quiet process of making a book? There's a lot of folding of paper then so you fold all the different sheets into these different signatures I've got 10 there's five sheets in each I was looking for a nice stripy kind of colored book so that's why there's this mix of red green and blue papers then after you folded everything and got your sections or signatures ready then they get stitched and then it's a Coptic stitching which starts at one end and you stitch across one after another and you build up the book block and that book block then gets glued to the covers so there's five in the edition, and then I make a couple of spares just for to allow for accidents because there's a lot of stages in the process and things go wrong. So there's a stitching and the gluing and the folding and the sorting and all the rest of it, and things can just sort of just get sort of warped and tear and stuff. So you've got to make a few spares. Yeah, it, and it's clearly like it's a beautiful object, but in contravention to what we would expect of a book there's no story there's no it tells nothing it's it's a notebook really you know an artist book can be lots and lots of different things from magazines just pictures or paper or um, a lot of artist books tend to be all about the actual production of the object because it's turning a book into an art object so it has a sort of semi-functional kind of life but it also has this sort of objecthood which makes it sort of into the brings it into the realm of idea of aesthetics and ideas and it's like a little mini sculpture The Dublin Art Book Fair runs from November 22nd to 29th and full details of the programme can be found at templebargallery.com. Details of an artist's book symposium in Wexford, the weekend which follows it, can be found at visualartists.ie.
Some of my favourite contemporary examples fall within the bracket of the book Transformed. This seems to me the most logical response to the overstuffed age that we live in. From 2009 to 2014, the multimedia artist Cabe Wilson took the approximately 38,000 words that make up Virginia Woolf's 1929 essay, A Room of One's Own, and rearranged it, word by word by word, into an autonomous novella. Not only does the novella make perfect sense as a piece of fiction, it's also been shown as a piece of art, on an enormous sheet of paper displaying each of the novella's pages, with each word cut out individually and repositioned. And that's the joy of artists' books. The vessel, which contains the sentences, has the potential to be as endlessly pliable as the sentences themselves. A story which exists outside as well as within. Thanks to all my guests. You can find out more about them on the book show's page on the RT website. And thanks to you for listening. The producer is Regan Hutchins and the series producer is Zoe Cummins. <laughs>